Hey guys, welcome back. Part two, post-game Steelers rant. Jack and I, Paul obviously was jumping on a flight to Vegas. By the time I'm done editing this, he's probably already landed. But if you haven't checked out the first part, please go back, listen to the first part, because otherwise the second part might not make a little sense. But now for the much anticipated, who is the free agent quarterback that Jack thinks the Browns should go after? None other than the one, the only James Winston. Oh boy. Yeah. The guy who's never been out of the South in his life coming up to Cleveland. So we, we, we we would be very used to four interception games quickly. I get it. He's got arm talent. Here's a question. Interception numbers. They're not actually that bad. They're generally on third and longs um, and they are downfield. Um, All right. I have a question. In terms of some of the EPA plays from this season, and it was only what? Half a season he played? Like four games. <laughs> was actually really, really, really good. All right, here's a guy. I'm just curious. We talked, I, I, not the guy I was telling you about because I don't think he's realistic, not the backup. Uh, well, this guy's a backup. What about Marcus Mariota? He's, he's the other name. Um, and because it here, if you remember right, he had a streak of an insanely number, long number of passes in the red zone without an interception. He is not flashy. He's mobile. He can throw the ball. I'd rather have him over Trubisky. If you're if you're talking realistic options, I'd at least call Mariota. Or I don't know if he's under contract with the Raiders. I have no idea the name. Oh, no. uh, Winston. All three are free agents. So um, th- yeah. they're basically the cream of your the crop. Not those oh, cream me. Um, yeah, free agent quarterbacks this offseason. True free agents. Obviously, some other people could force their way to free agency. Um, yeah, it's Winston. It's Mariota. It's Trubisky. Oh boy. And listen, the, the reason we kind of went down the rabbit hole, because obviously we're talking about the Steelers and the offense uh, performance, the Browns have in so many places on offense, the right guys, Betonio, Treader, they have to make a decision on coming back. Teller, I mean, with those interior guards, I mean, Peyton Manning brought it up multiple times, right? You've got Nick Chubb. And we'll listen, let's wrap this thing up on Chubb real quick. On Saturday, on Sunday, every single person I, I saw is saying, sit Nick Chubb, don't play Nick Chubb. Then Nick Chubb has four carries in the first half and everybody said, give him 12 carries. Okay, you have to make up your mind on this one. Obviously, there was several times on TV, you saw him grab his rib. I sent it to the group chat. I said, guys, something's wrong with the rib. So if he's got a little bit of a bum rib, why are we complaining about the number of carries Nick Chubb had? It was a meaningless game, according to some of you. So pick a side of the fence. Either he's not going to play, or he's going to play and you want him to get max carries because I had no problem with the Nick Chubb usage because I know what Nick Chubb is. I don't know what Baker Mayfield is. That game, that game plan wasn't going to change. They was too far down the week, right? So if Stefanski wants to call more pass plays to give the wide receivers more reps and the tight ends, the more opportunities to drop the ball. Yes. I'm talking to you, Austin Hooper. I have no problem with it. I also want to see what James Hudson looks like against uh, TJ Watt. I, I don't need to see the same off-tackle running play. Play to win the game, but also play to try to see what you have. I don't need Dearness Johnson running wham plays up the middle for nine freaking plays in a row. Okay. So that's my thing on Chubb. I think we've realized Donovan Peoples-Jones is about a wide receiver four, and it's what he is. I mean, Schwartz, I mean, he's a, he's a gimmick guy, but he's got to learn how to play wide receiver, and I think that's the only wide receivers you're coming back. I think everybody else is going to be gone. So that room is going to need an overhaul. 
Hollywood Higgins is continually showing you. It was actually pretty good at selling. I'd say the best thing he's done all season was sell that fourth down pass interference because that was not pass interference on Joe Hayden, but he did a damn good job of selling that. Great work, Hollywood Higgins, because that's about the only thing meaningful you've done this season. Najoku, I like I like the block of clay, but Jack, he's bobbling touchdown catches, and it's tough to say because it's a touchdown catch. It's just, it's, I need it. I need Najoku to be dominant at this point. He just seems sufficient, if that makes sense. Yeah, my biggest fear with Njoku is everyone's well aware he's more flashy than um, consistent. Hooper. Because, yes. hey, he's, he's, if, if you stand the two next to each other topless, it's, it's not hard to work out who's the better athlete. And you don't even have to get him to run at that point. You can just see it. So if Njoku's as good as we think, what, why is he not playing more snaps and getting more targets than Hooper? And that's the long and short of it. It's like you can sit there as many times as you want and go, this guy's better than that guy. Well, why is he not getting the opportunity? Because well, to be fair, he was open on the one underneath route underneath down to people's Jones and we're just looking past him. So I, I don't know how many intended plays are drawn up for Najoku. I have a funny feeling he was like a main, he was supposed to be the main staple of that offense yesterday. And I wouldn't be shocked maybe if he plays on Sunday and Keenum tries to feed him a little bit because they're going to try to want to wet his whistle to bring him back. But yeah, it's a great question. I mean, how is he not being a more of a feature role? Maybe it's just that lack of consistency because that's the one thing about him that terrifies me. And that's why I lean towards your transition tag. See what the market sets for him. I don't think it's going to be as high as some people think. I mean, outside of, outside of Cleveland, what's David and Joku's, real value on the open market i mean i'm sure other teams would be willing to give him a flyer i'm gonna give him a multi-year deal if you thought the edge room was loaded the tight end room is absolutely crowded in free agency there is a lot of dudes around and money's got to go somewhere so and people will miss out so in joku as a transition tag is perfect it's 9.33 million which is peanuts yet it's, when people go well how often does one get used the last one to get used, and the only one that I know of really, is uh, Kenyon Drake. And it's one of going, hey, if Njoku wants to take, he can just have the 9.33 million guarantee. We can effectively make that as an offer to him and go, hey, we'll offer you this, but if you want to go and test free agency, we're not going to let you become a complete free agent because we don't want to do that because then you have no control over what he goes and signs. We're happy to give you a transition tag. Or they could even just say the option, hey, We'll give you nine million, or if you want the transition tag and you want to test free agency, or even eight, give you eight straight up, or you can go do the transition tag. Because do I mind paying an extra million? No, it's it's nothing really, and you can then test that. But the key thing, which I think Stefanski needs to decide, is what does he want the offense to be? Because the, if the offense is still going to be a run-heavy, um, three tight end system, then you're going to need plenty of tight ends and other stuff going on. Whereas if you want to become a more pass happy offense for the modern NFL, then do you need as many tight ends as we currently have? Probably not. I mean, the Patriots thought the strategy was effective. They went out and signed two last year in free agency, John Smith and Hunter Henry. So, I mean, it's out there, you know, just pulling up some of the free agents in terms of tight ends. Obviously, from an age standpoint, you got Jimmy Graham and Jared Cook are the kind of the old guys. Um, Tyler Croft is a guy that's kind of been serviceable. Blake Bell, Demetrius Harris, obviously former Brown. 
uh, you're right. There, there is a lot of, a lot of guys out there. CJ Uzama, Gerald Everett, um, obviously like said, big, big Bob Tanyan, Anthony Ferkser, Mo Ali Cox, Howard, uh, Hayden Hurst, Evan Ingram. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they may be able to get Najoku for cheaper than cheaper than 9 million. If they really want to, I mean, they could go out and bring our guy P Brown back, Farrell Brown. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if eight, 9.8 million. Ooh, that's, I mean, just in terms of what his pay would be for the 2022 season, that would make him like a top six tight end in terms of pay. Now, obviously there's going to be a couple of guys that'll probably get. Secchi will smash that. We're just talking about where like um, PFF Brad, who's the cap guy for PFF. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got, I think it's basically Gusecki and Njoku about 12 million a year. You've got, um, what's his name? Engram. I think it's oh, about Evan eight. Ingram. Yeah. I promise he's never healthy. Yeah. So it's like m- money's going to move around. Um, the cap's growing. It'll get spent. Um, yeah. But no, and- it, it's it's one of, you have to make a decision. And for the love of God, can people please stop talking about the 11.25 million dead money in uh <laughs> By the way, this has been one of the highlights of my life in terms of the Browns Twitter, the people's inability to understand what that even means. Now, it just goes to show you that they haven't torn yet into the Jack Conklin deal to figure out that it's the same in the Jack Conklin deal. So, listen, I like Hooper. I'm not going to kill him as much as, my gosh, people are ready to just sell him to the, you know, to the foreigners. But you know, he's got to make that catch on first down or in the first drive of the game. He's got to. And the third and two Peyton Manning, I wouldn't let him back in the huddle for three series. And, and you know what? That's, that's the shit that when you talk about excellence, right? Baker, we all love him. We love him just lowering his head and driving into that corner. But then you hear Peyton say something like that. And nobody ever challenged it. Can you imagine if Peyton Manning came off the field after that fourth down and went up to Jim Caldwell or Tony Dungy, whoever it was, and was like, you keep that MF or out of my huddle for the next three series. Now, Mike Florio would put that on Twitter that he's a bad teammate and all that other stuff. I get it. But you think Austin Hooper would think twice about it if he got benched for three series because the quarterback told him to sit his bleepity bleepity bleep down? That's what that's where you talk about coaching and you talk about all this demanding and demanding. I mean, you talk about Rogers. I mean, Rogers said it in the fourth quarter about getting him help and stuff like that. That's where if Baker goes, I don't care what the play call is. You go stand over there. He did it on. Sometimes you saw him get over there, go chip the guy. Now he then walked himself into a couple sacks beside the point. But we know the thing about this, this Steelers game is it was just another example of what we've seen the last five weeks. So we're just going to keep talking about the same shit over and over again in this game that we did in the last games. The team's out of sync. The team is not, not there offensively. And next week, you're all going to get your wish. Shout out Case Keenum. Good luck. Um, Mullins. I wouldn't rule out Mullins. That is true. I would, I, 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 if I had, Kyle if I had to bet, and I think you would get plus money on um, Mullins, I would be putting my money on Mullins because it just makes more sense. There is 0%, 1% chance that Case Keenum is here next season. There is a 25% chance maybe that Nick Mullins is here next season. Why would you give snaps to Case Keenum? It makes no sense. Whereas Nick Mullins, if you traded for someone, hey, you could do something. If you decide that you can't get 
Trubisky, Mariota to Winston, and you want someone to back up Baker, Nick Mullins can do a job. Um, so yeah, for me, it's got to be Nick Mullins. I'll, I'll be disappointed if it's not Nick Mullins. No, it's actually a valid point. No, I actually would say that. Yes. Um, the Bengals have something to play for. So good luck. Good luck. And listen, I'm not going to put any, any stock in a next week game. You won't even have to tank the game because they're going to tank it for you in terms of the team. Um, but we talked about on defense, the biggest holes being at edge and at defensive tackle. The preliminary is that Conklin's surgery was okay, right? That come training camp, I'm not saying he's going to be in a full load, right? But I wouldn't be shocked if he's still able into the buildings and their plan maybe would be to have him ready for week one. You know, I don't think you're going to see a ton of stuff in terms of the, uh, the preseason and stuff like that. But he, realistically, I mean, now, you could run into a situation like David Bakhtiari where they just say, you know what, this isn't worth it. Because obviously going through recovery is one thing. Having a surgery is step one. Then you're talking about swellings and all this other stuff. I mean, the Browns had a history of staph infections in the past and, you know, something could happen. But what are the biggest holes on the Browns offense that need to be addressed? Let's go with, let's limit it to three and don't say wide receiver one, two, and three. You know me too well. <laughs> yes. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about just position groups in whole. Now, if we say like offensive line specifically, give me the position, but we, we know the wide receiver core is one. Okay. I, I, I want to start there though and dive in a little bit on it. When the Browns addressed the offensive tackle position, because that was the first off season for Barry, he said, Hey, you've got to get two. And they, they weren't shy and spending. And to, Hey, I'll, I'll, I was on record. I thought those Conklin would be a little bit too rich for him, and they weren't. They weren't minding. They were like, "Boom, we'll go get the top tackle on the market." And he, oh, he was, yeah, he, he was in free agency. He was, yeah, he was an all pro, absolutely. And if they're going to go out and spend money, take Devontae Adams out because yeah, I, I think he's not in the equation. I don't think it'll be tags, but I don't think he's coming. He's going to Green Bay. If any of the other guys. I wouldn't mind him in Vegas. I think it'd be juicy. It's the one that's been rumored if he leaves Green Bay. Yeah, because um, he's, Fre- he's from Fresno. Yeah. And oh, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, and uh, Devontae Adams. Let me, let me remind you, they still have Derek Carr. <laughs> Derek Carr? No, is he still number two for yards in the league? Um, Everybody gets mop-up time. <laughs> who is your guy? If they want to go big, who is your guy at wide receiver? In free agency. Well, so here's the thing. And I'm, I'm going to see, I mean, many of you may be able to see that I, there's a guy specifically out there that I want to bring on the show to discuss the wide receiver position because there are multiple aspects of a wide receiver. Are we talking deep route? Are we talking what type of wide receiver do you think is the biggest need? No, uh, I don't care where you want to slot, uh, pop him because as we've discussed, we've got wide receiver four and maybe a wide receiver five. We've got no one, two, or three, so you can decide. Generally, looking at the scheme, he's not going to be a predominantly slot mm-hmm. because wh- why would you draft? It? Why would you bring in a guy like Christian Kirk that's played seventy-seven percent of snaps in the slot? Well, I would say if you're talking about slot, Kirk would be my guy. If you're looking for an inside guy, twenty. I don't think we're going to pay big money to a predominant slot. Why would you with it? Well, the only question would be what role. Like for example, if I use Harrison Bryan as a Y. Right. So if I flex a tight end outside and play 
Kirk inside of a tight end, I can still play a 12 or a 22 with two wide receivers. One is the X, one is the Z. You get what I mean? So you can get creative there. Because if I'm, I'm looking, looking for a passing game of that, my X, my X is Mike Williams. I, I want Mike Williams from the Chargers. And the only reason is, is because he would require Baker to have the least accuracy in terms of throwing that deep ball. I want Baker on third and seven to be able to just throw a back shoulder, hit that back foot, throw it up there back on that back shoulder and let Mike Williams go get it. So I think if you're looking for a, just a dominant outside guy, I'm thinking of Mike Williams. If I'm looking for an inside guy, I'm talking about Christian Kirk. You may be able to take and say, Hey buddy, are you interested at all in learning that, that, that Z maybe he has it in him. You know, when he was at Texas A&M, that possibility was there. The other guy I don't mind is Cedric Wilson out of uh, Dallas. Younger guy. I like the speed. I like the kind of divert uh, the diversity he can bring in terms of his route runnings. Um, the other guy, I know you're a Jamison Crowder guy. I know you like him inside uh, the slot. I'm, I'm off. I'm on another, in terms of the, so I'm more looking at the, if I'm looking at the cheaper guy, the hybrid sort of outside slot, so they can play a bit of both, um, is actually one that you put me onto. Is Russell Gage? I'll say Russell Gage if you're looking for a two. So I was I was moving outside inside. Uh, another guy maybe I look at for the outside. This is not cheap. Little Jordan Humphrey. His name is Lil Jordan, but he's with the Saints. Um, he's a restricted free agent. He's been in the league. He came out young. Uh, Lazard scares me a little bit because he's coming off of Rogers, <laughs> not going to lie. How much did he put lipstick on a pig there? Uh, Ashton Doolin, the kid out of Malone, shout out Devin Jordan, uh, coached him there at Malone. Um, he's a guy I would look at Godwin. I just, I think he's going to, he, if you're, if you're him, do you not just go back to Tampa and let him rehab and get Brady to get you back into the free agent purple next year? I just don't think, I don't think that they'll be able to do it. Money-wise. I, I, I just think if he's around, um, what, eight, uh, 17 and a half, I just can't mm. see them putting that up. And yeah, to me, I would love to see Godwin, but my backup is Mike Williams. And I, I think if we can go hard after one of them too, it puts us in a really strong position. Yeah. The other guy I think you may be able to get cheap. This is a low budget guy. I liked him coming out of college was Anthony Miller. Get out of Memphis, went to the Bears. Um, he's a guy, he's with the Steelers now. I think he's not getting much run there. Um, but he's maybe a some like Thanksgiving ones. Here's the thing. I think you're onto something when it talks about it. We saw it last night. The Browns don't have much. So if you want to throw money at several different areas and just kind of see if you want to try to patch that hole and kind of pull the Patriots tight end philosophy and just go out and get two and draft one in the second, I'm fine with it. But we'll get we'll get more into the details. By the way, in terms of the special teams, nothing happened other than the only time in my life I've ever seen a punter kick the ground. Shout out Dustin Colquitt. I hope you're okay. Cause that can't feel good to kick a frozen ground. I have no idea how the hell he did it in my head. I was like watching it and I'm like, how did he, so he must've been trying to just pop something up. And then to do that, you would shallow out your leg depth to try to pull the ball up higher. That's the only thing I got, but a guy that's 39 years old, that's a veteran kicker. I don't think he's probably ever done that in his life. So there's your special team to break down. Um, McLaughlin, I thought looked fine, didn't miss anything tragic. Um, is that pretty much everything? done? Yeah. So What's wide receivers one. one. Go. What do you think? Callback. Brady, we're gonna save. But at the end of the day, 
even if you keep Baker, you, you've got to throw some stuff. Are we, are we going to throw out the guy you put me on this morning? I, I, I don't this, think they'll move him, but yeah, it's an interesting idea. This is a guy. So when, you, you know, my brain starts going down these rabbit holes and we saw him last week. He was a first round pick. He's not played two years. And I think everybody knows that Aaron Rodgers is going to be back in Green Bay. So the Packers back in the day used to have this philosophy to draft as many quarterbacks as they possibly could. Holmgren said it when he came here, they would put him under Favre and then they would just talk him up. Oh, this guy's the greatest. If you don't believe me, go ask Matt Hasselbeck. That's what they would do. So Jordan Love was obviously the fourth rated passer coming out of that 2020 draft behind Burra, Tua, and Herbert. He probably isn't going to see the field for three more years, which means that the Packers are they going to pick up his fifth year option in two years? Jack, I don't know if they would. Yeah. Well, he would have to, you'd have to pick it up next year for two years. So if you're the Browns, do you call up green Bay and say, Hey, now you pointed out there in cap hell. So the fact that they'd have to replace him and he's only, I think 1.7 million on the cap next year, but realistically, what level of asset would you give up for a quarterback, Jordan love, Second year under Rodgers, because remember, this is how the Packers got Favre. Favre was drafted by the Falcons, and then, you know, it was one of those things where they had to push Favre out because they knew what they had with um, Rodgers. Well, it doesn't look like they're running Rodgers out for love, and to be fair, Rodgers looks like he's playing better than Favre was at that point. So Jordan Love is an interesting one. Cannon of an arm, has mobility. The problem was, and this was his problem coming out is, his ability to dissect a defense, his ability to play the modern day quarterback in the NFL. So if you're Kevin Stefanski, can you, in your offense, design something where that arm of his, because he's got Mahomes like arm. He does. He's got a rocket on him. I make the call. And honestly, I'd be willing to give up a third round pick to kick that tire. And if the Packers are willing to do it, I know you can't ship him Jarvis, which was my initial idea, but if you need to make it a little bit sweeter and maybe give him. I mean, I'd be willing to kick the tires on him. I really just kind of want to see what he would look like and he's not going to see the field. So if they can turn him into an asset, a day two pick. Greedy Williams, potentially. Yeah, it's not a bad one, actually. At the, at the end of the day, it's a position where the Browns have got more than they need. Um, he's doing it, it. Greg Newsom's on the trajectory one. Well, would you sort of do that? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd do that. If it's going to take like a sixth in Greedy Williams, um, why not? kick the tires as you said um, i would i'd bring him in and legit competition you know baker this guy's here to legit compete with you and at the end of the day we've got him for two more years after next year and you're gone and that's kind of a way to seamlessly transition from one first round quarterback to another and you stay in a rookie quarterback deal for an additional two years it it was just something i thought of i don't know how realistic it is i'm curious we'll put it out there maybe we'll have paul throw it up you know what Browns fans would have a level of interest in Jordan Love. And again, the Packers may have no interest. I don't think, you know, if Gudenkist uh, would even pick up the phone. But at this point, Rodgers ain't leaving Green Bay. The guy is just phenomenal. He's not slowing down. And it's just at this point, you can just chalk up the fact that it was a wasted pick. And if you really love Rodgers, trade him for a, an asset third round and then draft a wide receiver with that one or package it up, maybe move up and get him a wide receiver. Can you imagine like a Travion Burks or like a Chris Olave and uh, green Bay? Oh gosh, that'd be amazing. But something to think so about. No, it, so it's quarterback, certainly one that 
quarterback wide receiver um well the conklin news changes stuff because i was under the impression that conklin was going to struggle his surgery went well yeah that's that's it there was no major complications that does not mean anything other than that and because to me it's offensive tackle do you bring hubbard back yeah, I, I, I'm well up for bringing Hubbard back. And I tweeted earlier, so in my mind, Conklin's gone. You cut Tretter. I think there's a great case for move Petonio out to left tackle and put Hubbard in at left guard. Um, and then Dunn as the backup. And hey, who, whoever wins in camp, let, let them have the position. But you bring back some competition there because Hubbard, if he's your sixth O-lineman, I'm happy with that. All right, Jack, here's my question. You just spent two years programming Jedrick Wills to be your left tackle. Yep. Okay. If you don't think after two years that he is a starting left tackle, trade yep. him, trade him, fine, get rid of him. Because if you're, if you're I going to him and saying, we want, the block. we want to unprogram everything we taught you and move you back to right tackle, you're just wasting it, just wasting it. And that's to me, if you, if you really think that Batonio is a sizable upgrade, then trade him. And you probably can get something relatively decent from him. The problem with Wills is he hasn't been healthy. I like certain aspects of the game, but remember after next year, you're going to have to make the decision whether you're going to exercise his fifth year option. So I think maybe they give him next year out there at left tackle. If you can, I think Hubbard will be completely ready. He had his surgery way at the beginning of the year. So even if I needed to start Hubbard for four to six weeks at right tackle, excuse me, while Conklin's getting his feet back under him. And then I can transition back into Hubbard right tackle into Conklin. And now Hubbard's my swing tackle and Jedrick Wills proves it. I think that's the best win position. But if you've now kind of turned the page and said, Wills is not going to work at left tackle. Then I think you just go and say, we have this great option in Batonio. And then you just trade Wills. You don't shit talk him. You talk up Batonio and get rid of Wills and move him somewhere. I think it massively depends on what Conklin does because if you've got no Conklin, you have to move him to right tackle. You can't be putting potentially Hudson out there. No, but you have um, Hubbard. Oh, but you might want Hubbard at left guard. Do you, do you want to rely on Dunn at left guard? It, it, oh, you're talking about if you move Batonio out. Yeah. All right. If you move and you're keeping Wills, so you're moving. Because if you're, so in why my would mind, I? Conklin was gone. So it would be um, Batonio. Hubbard, Harris, Teller, um, Wills. Oh, you're moving Wills back to right tackle. Yeah. But if Conklin's still there, then I I, I think you probably run it back for one last year, just flip uh, Tretter off um, and bring bring Hubbard back back in as your sixth. And that leaves you with the room where you're going, hey, are you going to step up um, Hudson? If not, we'll just use our first round pick in... I can't use our first round picks. That's going to be gone. We'll find something to bridge at. Listen, at the end of the day, I said it a hundred times and I'll say it 101st. If James Hudson's taking meaningful snaps in 2021, we have problems. Okay. And you see why he's a defensive tackle who needs two, three years to develop. So that's why I think Baker went out of his way to protect Hudson yesterday. Cause listen, there was actually a couple snaps where I didn't think Hudson did too bad. Like you can see the quickness. You can see, his ability to kind of get out there and plant. The problem is, is when you're going up against TJ Watt, if you falter at all, guess what happens? You get your, you know, your back end pushed in, you know, and I'd love to 
I haven't got the effort to do it, but 2.5 seconds. I, I did it one on Baker's I want all the sack. Clips of where he is at 2.5 seconds because it wouldn't surprise me if Hudson's okay then. All right. I did the one. It was 2.88. And then the other one I did was like 2.9 something. But I have a question. Do you know Hudson's split in terms of his PFF grade? Did you see this? No. He was the third best rated run blocker at 71.3 behind Njoku at 76 and Wyatt Teller at 84. Treader 63.2. Uh, Batonio 58. But James Hudson was a 71.3 in terms of running play. 38.9 in terms of his pass blocking. So... That's not great. But again, if he's taking meaningful snaps, you got problems and we've had problems. So I have no problem. Uh, Hubbard, I have no problem keeping the tackles. I, if you go into next year with Wills, Conklin, Hubbard, and Hudson as your developmental tackle, I'm good there. And honestly, I don't really have a problem with Batonio, Teller, Dunn, and Hans. I mean, Hans has been fine. Those guys, the <laughs> offensive Central. line doesn't bother me. But you're right. My point was in offensive tackle is if you if you don't have a healthy Conklin and you can't re-sign mm-hmm. Hubbard, remember he's a free agent. So Hubbard came back on that one year deal, right? They restructured to give him that year. Yeah. So he he's got he's got a one. It was his final year. Um, but I, I I think they could easily get a deal done, and I don't think it's going to be crazy. And people are going, oh, what about his health? They will know better than every yeah. other team. Yeah, exactly, because they did the surgery. So yeah, that's that's that. Um, I, I, th- I think it's one way you're in a nice position. And it could be the fact that they look at Wills and go, Wills ain't it. We're not going to activate his fifth-year option, but we will keep him for that final year. Let's give three more years to Conklin because his awesome. health might be all right next year. And that, that could easily be one way you go, actually, we'll pay Conklin. Why not? Because then we'll go cheaper left tackle. And then that's where you can do it then. Because in theory, you can just pay one of them. Yeah, it's it not a, either or the other. Oh, sorry, it's not both. But if you went, we're not going to pay Wills, we'll redraft the left tackle in two years' time. Let's stick Conklin there. Um, that's certainly an option. And you take a, a, a flyer maybe in the third round next year, um, not this year, next year. Um, that, that's the sort of moves that could set you up nicely. They, they will start doing quite like what we see for the Ravens, what we see for the Steelers, what we see for the Patriots and these other great teams they'll start drafting a year in advance. So you'll start looking at draft picks and going, oh, that's so-and-so's replacement. And it might not end up replacing that guy, but they're going, let's, let's see if it works. And, that, and that's the sort of move that Hudson is. Hudson was drafted two years early to potentially replace the left or the right tackle. Yeah. And the idea, just to give you an idea, if you're wanting an easy comparison that, the Steelers drafted Alonzo Highsmith, I believe in the third round two or three years ago knowing he was Bud Dupree's replacement. They were never bringing back Bud Dupree, even if he didn't beat up somebody at Walgreens. Um, I don't know if you saw that news or not. Uh, but yeah, that was the point. Bring him in, and he took a couple snaps here and there behind here, get him in situations, and then voila, he's gone, and now he steps in, and he's the Robin to TJ Watts Batman. So that's that's how good teams do it. And unfortunately, the Browns just hit a giant speed block this year. And honestly, I don't know if you've seen the news, but – the most devastating news, honestly, of the 2021 season we learned today. And it's upsetting, but it's selfish because this guy has devoted 50 years of his life to the Cleveland Browns. And to not have Doug Deacon on the call next year, we'll, we'll take a little bit away. I, 
I love listening to Doug Deacon. You know, I've had the privilege of meeting him a couple of times and all the, the off air or on air descriptions of Doug Deacon's stories are about as accurate as you possibly can be because you cannot say them on the air. And it's not because of some like profanity lace thing. They're just stories that people would get in trouble if they told out loud. Doug Deacon announced that he is, this is his final year in the booth with Jimmy Donovan. I think by far I've listened to bears. I've listened to Packers. I've listened to a lot of different teams and Donovan and Deacon is one of the best and to have him retire. It's obviously well-deserved. I mean, a guy that's devoted that much time, energy, love effort. He is an absolute icon of the Browns franchise. Um, Hell you can build a statue out in front of Berea for him or Cleveland Brown stadium. He's that much of an icon. He is that much of a lovable guy. Yeah, something, something, do something for Deacon because he's earned it. And, you know, for him being 73 and then Joe Thomas being 73, it, there's just a little homage there. And, you know, shout out to Doug Deacon. Thank you. Thank you. Selfishly, I want you to stay around forever, but you've earned it. And now hopefully when I see you at Browns away games, maybe we can drink a little bit later into the night because you used to have to tap out a little bit early after the one drink that Paul and I would bribe you with. Uh, Donovan was the same way. Those are stories we'll tell one day in the podcast, but, um, but yeah, so shout out to Doug Deacon announces retirement, just an absolute, absolute Browns legend. I think that's it for today's show. Is that, is yeah. a little recap of the Steelers and uh, some good <laughs> Steelers, bad Browns future unknown. Uh, Jack, do you want, we've obviously been talking about it a little bit today. Do you want to kind of break down? I know a lot of people ask in terms of what's our podcast schedule you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot is, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that you can break down X's and O's. And, you know, to be fair, I'm glad Burns and those guys have time to look at all 22s. I don't. Obviously having, you know, a newborn now, I didn't before and I damn sure don't now. I can see things and I can see the trends. He just does a very good job of succinctly pointing them out. So this, we're not going to go too much down the X and O's stuff. We're just going to kind of give you hopefully some rational opinions on these things. But when it comes to the off season, I think that's a little bit more of a forte the analytics of roster building, where we see the position groups, how they're going to fit in. You know, I honestly don't think there was other podcasts talking about the guardrails that we were talking about, you know, two years ago in terms of age that's caught on now, the defensive ends in terms of the size that they're looking for at these positions. So these are just things we notice. And then they kind of, you know, articulate their way through other different podcasts. So that's really our strength. And honestly, Jack, you lead a lot of that. You're a very organized, you know, British politician, hence the blue check mark. So you've sent a very succinct off-season schedule. You know, just because the guys in Berea go home doesn't mean that Ian and Paul could go home. So why don't you break down a little bit uh, what our off-season schedule is going to look like? Yeah, so we're, we're looking at potentially two shows a week, um, plus obviously any breaking news, things happening, blah, 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 because, hey, news will break and we'll jump on and record. Um but we're just going to go position room by position room. So I'll be coming back in my third year of the deep dive articles over on the Dogland, um, And then we'll podcast to sort of supplement them and go into more detail and have a discussion. So it'll basically be position room by position room, QB, um, the backs, wide receivers, tight ends, tackles, interior line, edge, um, interior defense, linebackers, cornerback, safety. Um, I think there's a few that we might put together but effectively we're not just looking at a one-year window and that's quite often some of the mistakes people look at when they're discussing this stuff it's very much a three-year window so we're talking about what's happening and because that's what's going to happen in Berea they're not sitting there discussing oh 
what are we doing this se- off season for this next season? That is part of the discussion, but you have to look at the bigger picture because there's no point in the siloing stuff. Um, hey, it's, it's in the guardrails. Deeper at it. Do not silo. And that that's really, really important. And it's why you'll hear discussions on here when last year we were chatting about Sheldon Richardson potentially going. That, everywhere else you went, that they were literally calling me a nutter for even floating it. And yeah, I wouldn't have bet my house on it, but I was saying it, this could really happen. It doesn't make sense with where the team's going. We call you pay that, that much money for his production. Too, we call Pardon? you that for other reasons too. Just like Paul, all Paul's fans and stuff like that. We all just call them names. So you're a nutter but for it, many reasons. Sheldon Richardson probably wasn't one of the top ones, but it throws, <laughs> we throw it in there. But it's one where we'll, we'll go through all of that and then we'll hit free agency, which is, hey, it's my Super Bowl. It's free agency, it's the draft, it's the Super Bowl. That's how I rank the three in that order. Um, and then we'll get on towards draft, which the ball goes more from my court into Ian's court. I'll chat a lot more about positional value, and it's like, hey, I don't want to touch this position this early, whereas Ian will actually tell you the names. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll flow through that. But it's going to be a really, really good offseason. If there's things you want us to cover, let us know as early as possible. So jump into the DMs, whether it's mine, just send, send them to me. Um, anything you want us to cover, just ping it to me and I'll put it into the show sheets, make sure it's there. But we're going to go really deep. If we're looking at quarterbacks. We're going to chat about all three. We're not just chatting about starters. And that's something we're always really keen to do. There is the depth. Paul loves all 53 on the roster. We're covering all 53. So we'll look at what the Browns done the last two years because we've actually got some data now on Berry. What is sort of the makeup of different rooms? Because, hey, there's going to be interesting stuff to see. Absolutely. There you have it. Like I said, it was one of those things where it's disappointing that the season ended up the way it did. I mean, it really was. And hopefully that the Browns can learn from this because a lot of people are just going to feel like it's a wasted season. And I can't say I, I, I disagree, but if ultimately it was a season that told us we weren't as set at quarterback as we thought we were, then maybe it's worth it. Because you didn't have, end up sinking, you know, a three or four year extension into a quarterback through his fifth year. And then you just got to undig from that hole and start the whole rebuilding process again. So if you're looking for a little silver lining there, you know, it's not the end of the world. Uh, the Browns hopefully can go out and give a respectable thing against the Bengals. Who knows? Miracles can happen. Uh, maybe they win the game. But as you can hear from behind me, I'm being summoned. Uh, so on that news, Jack, you have anything you need to add? Go Browns. Go Browns.